Another week at the AI Optimist. And you know what's bigger than even the No AI Fraud Act that's been proposed? I'm telling you, it's the GPT marketplace that's exploding with lots of new GPTs, including the very first one I bought. And we're going to go through a review of what that GPT is called in video. In this episode, number 28 of the AI Optimist, we're going to be talking about my first AI video GPT I bought and a review of it, Instant AI Time Savings, Unmasking AI, Looking at the Book and the What's Behind It, the No AI Fraud Act and much more. How about we just dive into it right now? Because if you're looking at your screen and you're just listening to the pod, it's fine. Just remember, we're always on YouTube. You can follow us there as well. We're looking at Video Maker by NVIDIA AI. This is on GPT Marketplace. That is a paid service at ChatGPT. So if you want to use one of these that people are creating all over the place, they're sort of like mini apps for ChatGPT. So this one, I filled in the form, but it actually led me into the website that I'm showing you right now, if you're watching on YouTube. And the website is so plain, so simple, asks you for a prompt, gives you up to 3,600 characters. So what I've done, and you're going to see later in this podcast, if you're watching, you can also listen, is actually create a video from a prompt using a tool that's not only, in videos, not only surprisingly easy, I actually paid for it right away. So the business model is create a GPT, service it off your website, because if you're doing any manipulation of tech or moving data or things, honestly, it's easier to do it on your own server. Very hard to do this at ChatGPT. But what was really fascinating, probably maybe even more than anything else about NVIDIA are the two videos I've created that came out of a simple prompt, but then also allowed me to put my own words and edit that. And I'm gonna show that at the end of this podcast. But the other thing that I prompted you when I talked about what this podcast is covering, this is the year, this is the year AI agents are coming in. We're gonna automate all these tasks. And besides a lot of the other things that are a little bit early and not quite ready for prime time, that promise is definitely among them. But when you take a look at the one thing I can tell you right now, drop down, you can use for instant AI time savings is to look at all the meetings you have. Do you work remotely? Do you work with people in different offices around the country, around the world? How many times do you meet? So I was approached and contacted by a friend on LinkedIn, David Demian of Demian Design. And so we had a good meeting chat for about a half hour. And the next thing I know, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, I get an email. Now, many of you are familiar with how this works, okay? There's fireflies.ai, there's otter.ai that's been doing this forever, and this one is called Supernormal, which allows you with Google Meeting, Microsoft Teams, or Zoom, and those three are really important to do any of these meetings and save you time, to not only do the recording, but I get a transcription of what's being shared. Now think about that, a transcription with what's being shared sounds sort of nice, but that gets detailed. What it also said to me, again, this is by email, you can get a free account or you can pay for it. It's actually depends on the amount of meetings, but think about the amount of times you meet somebody, you do a call and something like this where David and I had a really great call about AI. Take a look, it talks about the gist, it summarizes it. This is what AI does so well. So if you're looking at AI agents and tasks, very first thing is using your time better having a summary of what the heck was talked about, find out, you can even use this later to analyze it with GPTs 
to be able to say, hey, who's talking most? Who's talking least? What can we do better? What can we improve upon? You have a record. It's like having a virtual assistant sitting right there. We talked about the evolution of startup funding, AI first movement that I'm working on, the importance of human-centric design in AI, upskilling, changing the landscape of engineering. David was sharing some just amazing insights of what he's doing in AI at Demian Design. And I even shared about Amanda Slaving, one of my uh, podcasts I was working on. Now we have a record of what we shared. And while that may seem so matter of fact to you, the reason that I really love what's going on here is this is the thing you need to do right now is look at your meetings, look at how even if you have a meeting with yourself and you record it, you might have a podcast, you would have notes, and you had an ability to move forward and actually use AI well. So while that may be simple and, and somebody knows it, I can't tell you how few people are actually doing this. So take that meeting time, save it, record it, summarize it, and make less and less of it. That's a good advice for anyone in 2024. Now, when you're looking at AI and you're trying to develop things, we share a lot of theory, but this book that you see in front of you, Unmasking AI, My Mission to Protect What is Human in a World of Machines by Dr. Joy Bulamwini of MIT, is not only a must-read, you got to take a look at this book. I couldn't even like move forward sometimes because what it was telling me was so obvious about the problem that we face when we're using AI. Let's share an excerpt from Unmasking AI, and then I'm going to share a video that I created with the GPT I told you about to help you dive into this book, because I think this is, even if you don't read it, listen to her TED Talks, listen to what she's sharing. And let me share a little excerpt uh, that she wrote from the book Unmasking AI. At this point, anything was up for grabs. I looked around my office and saw the white mask that I brought to Cindy's the previous night. As I held it over my face, a box appeared on the laptop screen. The box signaled that my masked face was detected. I took the mask off, and as my dark-skinned human face came into view, the detection box disappeared. The software did not see me. A bit unsettled, I put the mask back over my face to finish testing the code. Coding in whiteface was the last thing I expected to do when I came to MIT, but for better or for worse, I encountered now what I now call the coded gaze. Inspired by these terms, the coded gaze describes the ways in which the priorities, preferences, and prejudices of those in power to shape technology can propagate harm, such as discrimination and erasure. We can encode prejudice into technology even if it is not intentional. Dr. Joy Bulamwini. It's a silent whisper, a nudge, a bias that can lead to discrimination and erasure, even unintended. Now imagine a world where tech doesn't just reflect biases, but amplifies them. This insight stems from the profound work of Dr. Joy Bulamwini in her eye-opening book, Unmasking AI, My Mission to Protect What is Human in a World of Machines. To explore this further, consider visiting the Algorithmic Justice League's website, ajl.org, working towards equitable and accountable AI. She challenges us to question our digital footprint and to strive for a world where technology is equitable and accountable. It's not just about unmasking AI, it's about unmasking us, our data sharing extreme bias, because our AI is only as unbiased as we let it be. Our AI is only as unbiased 
as we let it be. We are in control. That bias, all this stuff we're trying to solve with algorithms and with technology isn't created by the technology. It just sees it because it's embedded in our culture. But this kind of looking, this kind of inability to see is rooted at the cause of what a masking AI is all about and has led to working on the algorithmic Justice League, where she is actually taking this as an act of art and science. Technology should serve all of us, not just the privileged few. And I encourage you to take a look at the podcast page. I've got links to it, because when you combine art and research, you find something very, very different. You find that the bias is embedded in the data. So you need to change the way that we categorize and label things and the power of that. So when you take a look at Dr. Joy's work, more than anything, or the Coded Bias, the documentary that came out about that recently, take a look and consider that what she's sharing, she had to put on a white mask for her own face recognition at MIT Project to recognize her. And that this is actually built in. And actually, she shares later how now all the big companies are scraping African data because there's so much need for it. But again, who controls the category and labels? Take a read of the book, because what's important is a lot of times we don't understand that the problem is what's embedded in our culture that's being revealed. It's not the AI creating this. So take a look at Unmasking AI, one of the most profound books I've read, but also one that I think can really open your eyes to the power of AI, but also what we need to be aware of, even when we're working with it. Now, a big piece of news that came out of the U.S. this week is the No AI Fraud Act. Now, this is the first act to try to confront the use of deep fakes and somebody taking your image, your likeness, your voice, creating content, creating fake audios, creating, in the worst case, even pornographic videos have been created by lobbying together people, making this in the U.S. again, and this is a difficulty, illegal. But basically, in a summary of it, again, links are on the podcast page. The No AI Fraud Act, which is being proposed, this is just new, so it's not like officially in or voted in, but the idea is that everyone's likeness and voice is protected. My likeness, my voice, yours, you own it. In other words, somebody can't just take it, giving you individuals the right to control the use of your identifying characteristics. It's empowering people to enforce this right against those who facilitate, create, and spread AI frauds without their permission. Anyone basically using your image, likeness, voice without your permission. That sounds so matter of fact, right? It sounds like it shouldn't even make like be thought about. And obviously balance this right against the First Amendment to safeguard speech and innovation because a lot of times these kind of things tend to happen with little innovation. Now, when you go to this page, you can be able to see what the AI Act includes which is a long sort of 13-page document. I've included a download, one-page summary that they give out. But the biggest thing with the No AI Fraud Act is, okay, this is great on paper. What happens when we realize that right now we can't even, for example, my text, which is sort of my own copyright, my likeness, my intellectual property, my likeness of my voices, But if I write my text or even put out a graphic or anything, there's no tool, even ChatGPT, OpenAI confirmed this, they stopped the tool saying that they could find and detect 
AI fraud or AI manipulation of text. Images aren't much better. We've talked about that in previous pods. But with this act, which is so well intended and it's great, it gives us intellectual property. So it gives us some legal ground to stand on. But again, early days only applies to the US. What does it actually mean? Because again, there's a lot of weird details that would just get so granular that this would take, you know, ages to write. But the No AI Fraud Act is the first step to it. But the real question is, how, how, how do we actually spot fraud? You want a big AI business idea? Find a way to detect fraud. There is a way in audio, if you listen to my deep fakes interview with Jason Rogers, they talked about it to be able to detect audio fakes. What else can we do? Because that's the big question. So now we've seen a beginning where I started with this tool I'm about to share with you again now. NVIDIA, GPT, which was created really in a matter of months to connect to their existing service, I'm sure, to be able to use prompts to create videos. We've looked at unmasking AI. We've looked at the new AI Fraud Act. But what's important about it, when you're starting to get into the world now and back to the theme this year, AI agents, remember that. How can it help me automate tasks? You've got to do some form of video in your communication. And while this tool isn't everything, let me show you some of the things that can really, really, really do well. Now, if you're watching on the video end, I'm showing the in-video screen. Again, this is a paid version I have. What I did was went into ChatGPT under the GPT um, in-video, um, in pushed me to the site where I was asked to register and I could do it for free. But of course they put watermarks and things on it. So again, if you just want to use the tool and sort of test it out, it's good. But if you want to do anything, you have to pay to be able to access, which I did and I paid the monthly fee. And honestly, it was that good. What I did was create two videos. So let me show you one of them. Again, this was done from a prompt. Remember, I clicked on this, created a prompt, generated a video, had up to 3,600 characters. So we created this one. And what was nice about it, create about a minute video. It gives me all the timestamps that I can put on YouTube and things like that, which is actually hugely, hugely valuable. But it also allows me to edit that. And I want to show you that editing right now to show you how effective it is to do something, at least for me, but that does have possibly some limitations. So when you actually go in, and for those of you who aren't watching, I'll describe it. It's a very dark, sort of very simple background. When they ask for the prompt, that's all that's on the page, much like ChatGPT, a very open, just sort of text-based thing. But when I click in to edit the video that was created for me, what it does is it shows me the video on top with the timestamps in the, uh, excuse me, the time date, how long it is. It also allows me to export that video immediately in different ways. I'll show you that in a second, but let's click the edit button first. Okay. So I let it create the video for me and I actually wanted it to use my script. So I was able to go in and just click edit script and I was able to put in my own words though I would have preferred they, it had a tendency to want to write it itself. And a lot of the writing was good, but I wanted to update it a little bit. And I found that I probably should have let a little combination of the writing, but it puts this together. And then what it does is it puts together a series of video clips, mostly video clips, some pictures. These are from sources. There's even some from Getty Images that you'd have to pay extra. There are sources from storybooks that are sort of included. There's iStock photos that have like a little uh, crown on top of them. You can see, 
when you see the videos here, you'll be able to see that. And those crown ones you have to you have credits for. And there aren't that many. You get one credit per photo um, from my stock photo. You can also use your own images, which is what I wanted to bring you here. I created my own media library because I use Arts, Arts List that allows me to download uh, multiple B-roll videos, audios, Adobe Premiere things. So this tool gave me the video control I liked and gave me more of a selection of videos. If you're looking on the screen, I'm showing you some of the videos and images I uploaded. So as you scroll on the top, you'll see all the images. And let's say we click Unmasking AI. It actually highlights the text that is covered by that image. So if I wanted to change it, I can, as you see, if you're watching, I scroll over any of the images or videos below and it has a word replace. I click that, that then goes right into the video and replaces it and changes what was there before. Now I'm gonna click that out because I like what I had. And um, we can go in and look at other videos and, and it's just the same thing. With each page, it tells you what part of the text, what part of the script. So you can go back in, edit the script. You can go back in, edit the videos. Now I'm just gonna discard the changes I did. Now it's nice, I enjoy the video. In fact, what I wanna do is show you one I just did for the AI people first and get your opinion as we end this. In the upcoming AI landscape, two practices often clash, the AI first and AI people first. The AI first approach, a data-driven trailblazer champions tech, extremely big tech. It dreams of an artificial intelligence guided world, replacing human effort with the precision of machines. But is this world devoid of human touch, of empathy, the essence making us, us? Enter the AI people first approach, a human-centric practice. It doesn't replace people with AI, it envisions a world where AI is a tool in the hands of people, enhancing their capabilities, not eliminating them. In the AI first world, AI is the conductors, humans following. But in an AI people first world, the roles are reversed. AI becomes the one following, the tool, the concierge. It's there to help and assist, making our lives easier and our work more efficient. It doesn't steal jobs, it creates new opportunities, new avenues for growth and development. Consider the content creator, the wordsmith, the digital storyteller. In an AI-first world, their creativity, their unique voice, their personal touch could be replaced by an algorithm. But in an AI-people-first world, AI becomes their sidekick, their assistant, their brainstorming partner. It offers recommendations, it helps with research, it streamlines the process, but the creativity, the story, the heart of the content, that is still human. Or think of the small business owner, the entrepreneur, the startup. In an AI-first world, they may be overwhelmed by the pace of change, left behind by a tech revolution they can't keep up with. But in an AI-people-first world, AI becomes their ally, their guide, their resource. It helps them adapt, it provides upskilling, it offers solutions, and the vision, the strategy, the drive, is still human. The AI people first approach is not about fearing AI, it's about embracing it, on our terms. It's about using AI to enhance our capabilities, not replace them. It's about understanding that AI is a tool, a resource, a means to an end. But we the people, we are the end. We are the goal, we are the purpose. So as we navigate this often overwhelming world of AI, remember this. AI is powerful, and people are also powerful. AI is clever, but people are wiser. AI is fast, but people are adaptable. Embrace the AI people first philosophy. Use AI to enhance your work, your business, your life. You are the creator, AI is the tool. You are the human, AI is the platform for you and all of us. 
and in a world becoming more automated, mechanized, and more AI-driven, that is worth remembering. Oh, the future that's coming is so not only amazing, but can you imagine trying to do that music, sound effects, voiceover just even three or four years ago? It's a lot of people. And now this is just another example. Of what have we done today? We've looked at a GPT with a piece of software that I paid $25 a month for, which is a little on the higher end for me. I'm a little cheap with some of these AI tools, but allows me to create videos specifically without having to stand up here and be on stage, but also have a voice that's created and be able to work with it. And it's certainly not perfect by any means. All of these tools are coming through, so you have to have a lot of patience with them. But it was really great, and I did this within hours of buying the software. But I also want to show it. Remember what I'm asking AI teaches us. The bias is in us. And when you start writing your content, you can move beyond that. You're going to actually have clearer communications, more human-centric, trust-driven that we do with AI people first. See you next week when we're going to talk about how the power of a human being can make what seems a simple text box more intriguing, more engaging, and has people spending a lot more time than they do at ChatGPT. I'll share that next week.